Hey, I'm Gilad Niger and this is the Philips Tech Tuesday Unboxed, your DevOps Technologies Review. In every episode, we talk with a DevOps expert who shares the latest trends and best practices in the industry. Today, we're talking about something that's increasingly vital in our digital world, reducing the carbon footprint of our cloud operations. But why should you, as a DevOps professional, care about this? Well, GreenOps isn't just about saving the planet, as crucial as that is. It's also about efficiency, cost savings, and preparing for the future. As more and more regulations come into play worldwide, businesses that are not proactively managing their digital carbon footprints may find themselves at a disadvantage. Even more, with consumers increasingly favoring companies that prioritize sustainability, GreenOps can also enhance your brand reputation. Today, we are fortunate to have Gael Duez with us, a leading expert in the field, who will explain how you can use open source multi-cloud emissions tracking to make your operations more sustainable. Stay tuned to learn how you can turn a looming digital climate bomb into an opportunity for innovation and improvement in your DevOps work. Today, I'm happy to talk with Gael Duez, who is the founder of the Green.io podcast and also an, an advisor for several tech companies on their sustainability strategy. Hey, Gael. Hey, Gilad. Nice to be with you today. Nice to host you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely terrible in, in the positive way. <laughs> I had a very nice workshop on, on, on digital sustainability uh, yesterday. So, you know, very energized with the participants being there. Nice, nice. So... Let's start with defining green ops for our listeners. Yeah, so basically you start with the hardest question. <laughs> because let's be honest, there is no like one definition like accessibility or et cetera. It's, it's such a, an infant field that uh, there is not a commonly agreed definition. But if I had to give it a try, um, in its narrower definition, GreenOps is about all the actions and best practices you can do when you run an infrastructure, whether it's cloud, on-premise, or hybrid, to reduce the environmental footprint of the code you run on this platform, basically. Now, you will hear a lot of people having a broader definition, and I'm perfectly fine with it. It all, will also incorporate the best practices when you code, which sometimes is referred to a green software engineering. And um, most of the time, you don't include the next level, which is a sustainable design. It's really how you design stuff to make them as sustainable and as low carbon as possible. Here is my try. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Okay, and why you think is green ops important for our industry, like for the tech industry? Well, I, I would say for... Th- three main reasons, uh, not not quoting the most obvious one, which is this is the right thing to do as human. But let's put that <laughs> yeah. aside, okay? Um, the first one is that ops people are already under and will come under a lot of pressure to provide accurate metrics because companies in Europe, but we know the drill, usually it starts with the European Union and then it expands to a lot of other countries, we've seen it with GDPR yep. and other legislation. So there is this massive amount of news legislation that is coming. The very last one is was voted by the European Parliament just this month, June 1st. And it's 
the due diligence, basically due diligence about your environmental footprint with fines. And it comes, you know, for big companies. But at some point in 2025 or 26, I don't know, it will concern every company with just more than 10 or 20. Sorry, I, I should have done my homework, but um, um, revenues. So, you know, 10 millions, 20 millions revenue. It's a lot of company that will have to disclose in a very accurate way their carbon footprint. And, you know, in many IT companies, in many tech companies, or even tech departments, uh, you will have accountants from, you know, the CFO folks that will come back to you and say, well, you know, what is the carbon footprint of all the stuff that you run? And today the answer is, hmm, I don't know. Let me ask AWS. Let me ask uh, Azure or, or Google Cloud or whatever provider you've got. And the answer, and, you know, they provide you numbers and we could definitely discuss about these numbers. And that's okay. But then the year, the year after, you know, the, the, the same accountants, they will come back to you and say, well, you know, <clears throat> can you please define which standards were followed to provide these numbers? Uh, what kind, well, like, did you follow strict GHG protocol, et cetera, et cetera? And the year after, they will be, uh, but no, no, I, I'm sorry, but your supplier is not, has not a validated way to transmit the data, et cetera, that we can accept it. And we'll be like, what, what the hell are you talking about? We're talking about AWS. Yes, but they're not the best school, you know, the best student in the school, sorry. Um, so reason number one is there are a lot of people that are going to start asking questions to ops people about how much do we emit carbon? And carbon is just the beginning of the story because very, very soon water will be another big topic. But let, let's put that aside for the moment. So that, that kind of reason number one. Reason number two is that I would say in green aware places, whether it's geographical places or companies, you've got also a lot of pressure coming from your employees. And it's we tend to say younger generation for sure, but hey, that's not always the case. You know, I'm not that young and I can name a lot of colleagues that are growing more and more impatient uh, when it comes to what do my company does to tackle climate change? So you've got this internal pressure and we do know most of us how hard it is to hire and retain talents. Um, so that's, I would say, reason number two. But reason number three, which might be the most obvious is that most of the time green ops equal phenops okay and the more you track uh, and you optimize your bill at the end of the year the more you reduce uh, your your carbon footprint and it will come even more with phenops because at the moment the carbon market um, um yeah the carbon market that has been created in europe is completely broken okay however it remains a potential tool to be used by policymakers. And I'm, my bet is that they will use it. They will fix it and they will use it. And when they will use it, suddenly you will have to pay a lot when you emit tons of carbon. So once again, it will be, oh, if I reduce by one ton my emission per month, actually, I, I will start to save not a few hundreds euros, but a few thousand euros. And who knows, a few um, a dozen of thousands of euros, you see, or dollars, or, or you name it. So these I would say that are the three main reasons. Reason number one, because a lot of people are going to ask uh, data, inaccurate data. Reason number two, because you come under a lot of pressure from internal stakeholders and sometimes from your clients as well. But let's put that aside for the moment. And reason number three is that at some point, carbon will become real money that will be um, uh, asked <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be emitted. Um, and... Yeah, phenops basically will equal more and more green ops. 
that was a long answer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think an ops person or a DevOps person who listens to us ask himself, "What's in it for me?" Um, and I think everyone can take one one like one thing from from the list you said now. I would like to ask you about the numbers, like how does the IT and DevOps sector contribute to carbon emissions today? You mean worldwide or in, in a company? Both. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I couldn't escape from this one. Okay, so basically, if we talk only about a greenhouse gas emission, the conservative estimation of how much the digital sector emits worldwide is around 4%. Why is it conservative? It's because every computer you put in a car, for instance, or in a fridge or uh, many IoT devices, they are not counted. Their carbon footprint is not counted in the digital industry, but in the car industry, etc. So it's a very conservative assumption to say that it's around 4%. Okay, in 4%, and that's very, very important to understand when you study climate change, 4% is an amazing, huge number. We are not, with climate change, under Pareto rule. There is not this easy 80-20 rule that will apply, okay? There is no sector in the industry, in, no, no entire sector, that goes above 15%. And as far as I remember, 15% is the entire building uh, industry, okay? When, when you basically to heat or uh, cool uh, our houses. So 4%... It's a huge number. It's three times, for instance, sorry to to to, to use this this um, this example, but it's three times more than France. How much France, the entire country, emits, and it's a developed wow. country, so it emits a lot. Four percent is as much as the entire Lowy fleet worldwide. So every truck, every delivery van that you see around the world emits as much greenhouse gas emission that the digital sector. Okay, so that's a lot worldwide speaking and we talk only about greenhouse gas emission and just to make things clear for uh professional listening to us today um, the majority of these emissions come from end user equipment your laptop your smartphone it emits a lot mostly like 80 to 90 percent comes from the manufacturing phase and the usage phase is um is a bit slower when it comes to professional equipment, it's more half-half. It's a bit more like the usage phase and the electricity we consume rather than the construction, the manufacturing phase, because obviously we tend to build stronger materials for professional, your routers, your servers. They're, they're, they're made to last, at least some of them, and they're optimized for energy consumption. But still, manufacturing phase accounts for quite a lot of emissions, but it's more like the usage phase and the electricity we consume. And just to give you another example, Today, it is built, it is estimated by the International Energy Agency, so very accurate number, that the digital, the data centers, or the digital sector, sorry, including data centers, but also end-user equipment, etc., it accounts for the same amount of electricity consumption that India. It's the third largest sector. I mean, the third if it was a country. It will be India, the third largest electricity consumer in the world, just after uh, US and China. So it gives you proportion. So that's really for worldwide. It's a lot. You know, we tend to say, oh, 4% is nothing. But actually, in climate change, 
every percent is a huge number. And in the company, it really depends. In service company, um, so if, if, you, if you're in an industry, usually the IT doesn't account for much. If you're, um, if you're an aviation company, obviously IT will not be, you know, something significant. Even for Netflix, funny enough, uh, IT is a few percent of their global, um, and we're talking about Netflix, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. one third of the entire US bandwidth is allocated, uh, internet bandwidth is allocated in Netflix. But, and that's a lot of thousands uh, in, in, of, of tons being emitted by Netflix, by the IT departments. But still, what is the biggest bunk on Netflix emission is creating these movies because that costs that emits a lot of of carbon however if you are a traditional tech company or service company it's not rare that the it department that the tech department will emit between 15 to 30 percent because at the end of the day it's mostly the stuff you buy and how the commuting how much your employees will emit when they come to your work and how much you heat and um, and cool your uh, your your building, and after that it's mostly IT. So you know, the companies. I mean, the, the my clients usually yeah, it's between ten to twenty five thirty percent. So that's not nothing. But of course, once again, huh, uh, not not one size fits all. It really depends the industry you're in. But at the end of the day, you know, you just do what you can do. Huh? If you work for um, uh, Air France, Lufthansa, or American Airlines, and you're in the IT departments, you cannot really do anything about the way the fuel we use and how many passengers we will have in our planes, etc. That that's not in within your reach. But you can definitely mm -hmm. optimize your your tech stack, and you will do at least something. So that's better. That's way better than nothing. Yeah, I understand. However, I'm asking myself, what can I do better to improve? like to reduce the numbers you, you've mentioned. How can DevOps teams implement GreenOps in their like daily workflow, let's say? You know, DevOps team and, um, and, and all the people being in charge of the FinOps mission or GreenOps mission, they are the first line of the in the battle. You know, not necessarily the one that will drive at the end of the battle the main gains, but without them, there is no there is no way to win the war to win the battle why because they measure so the very first thing when you what you should start doing when you're a green ops person is start measuring start so i mean that's not true sorry very first step is get a good understanding of what we're talking about the few numbers that i've dropped okay you need to uh, crunch them a bit more to do, some, I don't know, an online workshop, some training, whatever, usually in a few hours, half a day, maybe a full day, you get a pretty good picture of what, what is a life cycle assessment, what are multi-criteria environmental impacts, just to understand, not to be able, you know, to to run one, because that's very complicated, but, you know, the numbers are shared, say, okay, okay, I got it, yeah, okay, there is this stuff that manufacturing phase, usage phase, end-of-life phase, okay, and Okay, during manufacturing, we emit carbon. That is called embedded carbon, etc. I, I got the numbers. I understand. And I do understand that as someone being in charge of IT infrastructure, I consume a lot of electricity. And this electricity might or might not be low carbon. So I've got something to do. So one, once you've passed this phase, 
<clears throat> and we can share several resources uh, at some point if you want to make sure that this happen and say, okay, what, what should I do? First of all, don't stay on your own. Talk with your colleagues. Huh? Uh, as far as I know, there is no human being that is perfectly comfortable with humanity getting extinguished in, 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 in a matter of generations. Huh? So uh, usually it's a pretty open discussion. We're not always, uh, we don't always agree on how to achieve a, a sustainable uh, life on planet Earth for the humankind. But uh, I've never found someone saying, oh, I'd like to, the, all the humans getting, you know, disappearing from planet Earth. So it's not the hardest discussion to open with your colleagues. And then, we need to start measuring. So the very first step is to have a look at what, if you're on cloud, what the cloud provider will provide you by default. So um, the sustainability dashboard provided by AWS, Google Cloud Platform, Azure. Um, have a look at them, try to understand them, try to understand the hypothesis behind them. Then have a look to the GSG protocol and especially how the, the scope three is defined. Cry get very mad and then you know get back on your feet because the problem is it's it's so small it, it's ridiculous how the it is completely overlooked by the ghg protocol but you still need to understand that if you're more an on-premise person or if you want to go a bit more in depth then you will go to a open source tool like uh, Hublot, uh, the one built by Hublot called scaffon for instance uh, it's a french company but used how is it called scaffon scaphander you know but it's it's fully open source and you will mm -hmm. easily find it and then it's small agents that you can put on servers that will very precisely measure your energy consumption but on top of this they will also depending the, the kind of server that you use um, provide you with the uh, embedded carbon footprint of your server and then it comes to trying to assess how much your st tech stack emits and if you've got on-premise servers or if you've got some specific AWS servers and you want to go way more specific than the numbers that are provided by the big hyperscaler at the moment, you might want to have a look to Boavista uh, NGO, which is um, a European NGO, French-based, but it's getting more and more international now, that really provide, as far as I know, according to my American friends, English friends, German friends, I hate to say that because, you know, being French, it could look like, ha, 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 I'm super proud of my country, which is very often not the case. So <laughs> that being said, um, it's just a matter of fact that these folks are French and they really started to do an amazing job. And um, every time I discuss with people outside of France, they're very like, yeah, we do use, that's a, that's a great database. And you've got this database of the carbon footprint of, a lot of servers of standard configuration, etc. But really, you need to start measuring um, and understanding. And then, you know, it's a bit like FinOps. Try to uh, ask the right question. Find Cloud Zombie, for instance. What are the instances that are uh, always open? Um, ask a question. If all your developers are working from, let's say, 7 to 7 maximum, why should your CI, CD pipeline be open the other half of the day, uh, shut it down, shut it down during the weekend. If you know there is no developers uh, pushing any any code, um, the same goes with the multiplication of a uh, test and and and, and stage environment, etc. Do you really need all these environments? That that's kind of the easiest question. Then step number two. So, just to to wrap it up, 
you need to understand what we're talking about. So educate yourself and yeah. not be on your own. That would be step number two. Talk to your colleagues, join online community, etc. Step number three, start measuring. Go for the easiest um, figures available, AWS, etc. But soon you will realize that you need to do more and and use other tools to uh, to get more accurate figures. Then obviously kill everything that is not needed. And the next step will be what we called carbon-aware computing or chasing the sun. And this is where you ask yourself the question, um, where do I host, especially if you're in multi-cloud environment or multi-region environments, uh, I want to host my services where the energy is the cleanest and uh, the lowest carbon possible. But I don't want on the other end, so this is where we need all the intelligence, all the acumen from a, a true ops engineer, is that on the other end, okay, Frankfurt or France region, uh, French region or Frankfurt region or Paris region or Sweden region are usually pretty low carbon. I mean, not, not Frankfurt necessarily, but for AWS, yes, because they, you know, they secured them. Um, well, anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm getting too much into details, but anyway, usually pretty low carbon Frankfurt. It's a bit of an exception in Germany. But on the other end is most of your traffic comes from Japan. That's also a challenge because you don't want your data to go around the planet just yeah. to reach a low carbon region. So, uh, so that that's really about the location of your users and 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 where you can find the the lowest carbon possible energy. And also, so it's geographic shifting, but it's also time shifting because you know it's not true that if you run this big batch data batch uh in the middle of the day in France uh during winter um you know what the energy will not be that clean of course we've got nuclear power blah 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 etc but we might have some 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 coal uh, factory emitting quite a lot so it's also a question of when do i need to uh, run all this um all these uh, services and sometimes you can discover that actually I don't need to run it during the day, or I, I can I can run it when the energy is way more low carbon. So this is what we call low carbon. But it, it should come after optimization because when you chase the sun, you also prevent other to accessing to a low carbon energy. So it's a question. It, it's one of the most precious resource today on Earth is low carbon energy. So. Even if you perfectly chase the sun, okay, do perfect carbon-aware computing, that should not prevent you to ask the question and to ask your lead designers, to lead project manager, product manager, etc. Do uh, do we really need that? Do we really need to call uh, when we make this API call to get all the data? When actually a bit later in in your code, we we just discover that you will use just two data points. What about the last, uh, the, the the next two hundreds? You never know. Actually, what I do know now is that it costs energy, and energy emits carbon. So it's time for also for you to 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 challenge the way you work as a green ops person, as an ops person, as a DevOps person. I started to challenge myself, but there is a limited amount of things that I can do. And then you you enter a discussion with software engineer if you're not a developer yourself. And uh, and designer, and you have them because you provide them accurate number. Okay, you've mentioned some tools that we can use actually in our day to day. Besides that, you'll need to send me the links so I put it in the uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, in the podcast description. Yeah. That um, sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> did I miss or you didn't mention a CCF, the Cloud Carbon Footprint? 
uh, because I, I, I give it, um, I wanted you <laughs> to bring the topic on the table, you know, to make you shine. <laughs> because Gilad is someone who has invested a lot of time and energy understanding their stuff. So we had a very interesting discussion. And, and yeah, uh, congratulations for that, bro. So, uh, yes, of course, I didn't mention uh, the most popular and obvious one, which is Cloud Carbon Footprint, which is a um, fully open source um, software uh, developed by ThoughtWorks. And I had the the pleasure to uh, to interview Cameron Kasher, which is, I would say, the, the lead maintainer uh, at ThoughtWorks on, on this topic. And CCF has been used by many, many big platforms willing to reduce their, their environmental footprints when they are mostly cloud-based. And the ID by CCF, um, uh, if I had to pitch it in 10 seconds, is give me your money, give me your bills, and I will translate it in carbon and how they do that is so you've got on a daily basis you you've got your financial statements from every main uh, hyperscalers or even medium second tier uh, cloud provider you will know how much you spend on which services on which region etc and then what they will do is that they will translate as okay, okay you you consumed that much energy on, on an F3 bucket, on whatever, um, in this region. And at that time yesterday, the energy was mostly like this, like that, etc. So we translate it in carbon emitted. But it's only, and at the moment, it's mostly, sorry, uh, usage-based driven. So it's the energy you consume. It doesn't take into consideration um, the carbon that is emitted during the manufacturing of the equipment you use but i must admit that it's in the pipeline and i didn't play with it since a few months so it might be already out so definitely need to to be double checked but the idea is really empowering engineers because the problem with the aws statement is it on a quarterly basis it's done for suits people not for tech people Okay, it's it's a reporting, it's it's a, it's a due diligence um, uh, approach, but it's not for people like you and I who wants to analyze a problem, try something, and get the answer the next day. So when you use CCF, the good news is okay, you will change something in your architecture. You say, okay, I, do I need to make that many calls? I want to optimize the calls to this API, or actually, I want to change the way this pipeline works, or I want to fine tune Kubernetes, for instance. How will this impact? I don't change anything else. And the next day you go, oh, pretty good. Actually, it reduces quite significantly. When you do what I, um, carbon-aware computing, you want to have the answer the next day or just a few days later. What was the impact of shifting all these workloads during the night in Sweden? Oh, pretty good. I should, yeah, I should stick to it. So CCF is a very powerful tool, definitely. Sounds important. We'll definitely give it a try and we will actually detail more about it in our Tech Tuesday session in a few oh, weeks. Great. Yeah. What future advancements do you see in the field of green ops and emissions tracking? I see several trends, okay, but it's just me. Huh? So, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a crystal ball. So, yeah. first trend is that it's getting more and more um, obvious and widespread to use carbon tracking tool when you do ops. Uh, so that 
you know, it's an example I like to take when I talk with with businessmen, business people. Um, and I take the example of an accountant today, a good financial accountant. He or she does not know anything about what we call extra financial reporting. That's okay. He or she will still find a job. I believe that in five years' time, it will be hardest. It will not be, you know, top uh, on in the line anymore. And I believe in 10 years, if you're an accountant, but you don't know the GHG protocol by heart, you will not get any job. And this trend will happen also for ops people regarding uh, green ops. So better, you know, take the train uh, in the early time and be ahead of the pack rather than following it and having you know difficulties to find a job or to get a pay raise or whatever. Now, that's trend number one. Trend number two, I've already mentioned it, is that it will come under more and more scrutiny uh, for carbon purpose, but also for risk management uh, purpose. But I will come back to this point just after. And the third trend is actually that I believe that a lot of tools that we use today will disappear. And, and I discussed this with Cameron. I hope CCF will disappear at some point or CCF as it is today. Because CCF, Boavista, all, all those tools, they're here because of the lack of transparency of, in our industry. Because no one today, but I'm pretty confident it will change, has been able to say, you know, AWS, Google Platform, et cetera, we want your data. We want it in this format. You, we want you to follow this protocol and we yep. will send you inspectors to make sure that it is true. And we don't want to hear about your business secret. The planet is burning. We don't give a damn about your business secret. You emit crazy amounts of CO2. You consume crazy amount of water and you're not an industry separate from others. Can you imagine just the chemistry industry? You know, I I, I grew up, I mean, I did my, my high school and my, and my university in Lyon. Okay. And Lyon in France, very big town, and they've got this chemistry valley, okay? So a lot of different industries, and it's called Seveso Zone. So you're under special rules with a lot of firemen, uh, exercise, etc. Can you really imagine all those big factories having the ability to say, well, you know, regarding the security assessment and how um, how impactful on the environment are what we emit, etc., we will define our own rules. We will give you numbers and we will never have access to our factories. <laughs> Can you imagine that? No, <laughs> obviously not. But this is how it goes with the IT industry at the moment because people, they believe that it's something magical in the clouds. I believe it will change. And when things will get way more open and standardized, et cetera, the way we work will, will also change. So that's kind of the three big trends. So that's, that means very practical stuff for ops people. A, understand the problem as i already said b get to know the existing tools but understand the philosophy of these tools because these tools will pretty soon disappear and d you will not be of the hook still actually you will get under more and more pressure but with new tools because the standards the way that the data has been defined will evolve so that's really something that will go bigger and bigger um in your job but there is also a last point, okay? And I, I need to find you this article. I read um, a piece of science fiction, DevOps science fiction, just a, a few weeks ago, and it was great. And this is ba basically the story of a head, uh, one of the, uh, the one uh, of the head of um, 
AWS data centers, so a hyperscaler near Atlanta. Right? So you've got okay. a lot of hyperscalers there. And the story is in 2035, something like that, 37. It's not even 2040. It is just a very bad day for him because this is the day where he had to take the decision to shut down the entire infrastructure or to lose all the materials. And, and just to, to remember our, our listeners, uh, an hyperscaler facility start with a $1 billion investment. This is how much money you put when you build a hyperscaler factory. And so that's a huge number. And so you don't want all the equipment there, et cetera, frying because of overheating. And, and the story goes that you've got a heat, you know, heat dome under Atlanta, super highly probable. Okay. The probability is super high. It actually it already happened, but it didn't go enough during enough time to really completely stress uh the the the, the water cooling system. But the truth is like none of our facilities are ready for 50 degrees. Uh, I'm talking in Celsius. Uh, sorry about my American friends. Uh, so, so, uh, 50 Celsius degree for several days. And that's highly probable. And at that time, you've got this decision to take. Do I start turning off servers to prevent them basically to fry and to lose millions and hundreds of millions in investments? Or and send the worst possible message to my clients, which is that no, my cloud services are not 24 seven ever. Yeah. Or do I keep going and I lose the investment for the sake of, you know, pretending that we can go 24 seven. And just imagine that if it happens, a lot of services will go down. And we're not talking about a, you know, a, an outage that will be isolated like some, some fire that we've experienced in Europe and the US. We're talking about something generalized in several areas. So the backup plan going to other regions, et cetera, will not work that smoothly. And I believe this is a question that will that will happen. And then suddenly ops people uh, will get under way more pressure to say, how resilient are you? And the honest answer today is either I don't know or I'm not for most of our infrastructure. So I know I'm talking to an Israeli folk and uh, and you do tend to have a lot of resiliency in your infrastructure for many historical and geographical re uh, reasons, but that's not the case in Europe and the US. We are a very spoiled child and we don't really pay attention that much. I comes from the financial industry where it was like, you know, part of the question, how much resilient are you, how risk, you know, you do risk management assessments, etc. Today it's just hey, Amazon is so big that, you know, they will take care of the issue. And that's not sure anymore because we, we are reaching physical limits to what we can do in a data center. Yeah. Very interesting. I think we'll see in the coming years where the trends will go. Um, yeah, maybe I will go completely wrong. <laughs> All the data centers <laughs> will be under the water or in the space. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But today, this is a risk that I will seriously investigate if I was a CTO head of. Yeah, for sure. Last question, it's a bit more personal. If you were not working today in the tech industry, and let's say not in the green side of the, the tech industry, what would you do in your day-to-day? -day? Like, what are your hobbies? What would you do? I think I will... Uh, that's a very good question. I think I will 
definitely investigate a bit more time and energy still in the sustainability area because that's really a place I'm uh, I enjoy and I will have a deeper look on uh, regenerative economy. So how much you can create. I think I will invest in in startups or or, or young companies having a business model that is fully regenerative. I, I, I found this absolutely fascinating and I didn't find that many, you know, like really like every time we make a dollar, we actually make the place better. Not not like we reduce harms, but we make better. So that will be a topic that I would love to work with. And I must admit that today I'm more and more concerned about not the green, not the environmental, but also the ethical side of tech and more specifically the battle for attention. I've just once again read very recently how TikTok algorithms are actually damaging brains of uh, teenagers. And I'm I'm getting really concerned that part of mankind could get completely stupid and I do believe in collective intelligence. So I, I don't, I'm not this kind of person saying, oh, that's okay. You know, as long as we've got an elite, uh, which is super clever, we don't really care. I, I hate, uh, uh, best of the word, um, uh, book, you know, the, the anticipation, uh, book. So I really do believe that as humankind, we should, um, we should be all as clever as possible. And I'm really concerned about this. Yeah. Lack of ability for some young people to just simply read a book. That really scares me. So I think I will investigate a bit more time and energy on this. And otherwise, you know, hiking. I'm an outdoor person, so oh, finally, I, I, will, <laughs> I will, I will hike. I will, I will do some canoeing and spend a lot of time with my daughter. I try to, but I guess I will spend even more time. <laughs> Amazing. Firstly, I thought you are staying in the tech and green areas, but now, now I'm, I'm okay with no. with your answer. <laughs> Did I pass the test? Am, am yeah. I human? <laughs> I'm not a replicant. Absolutely. <laughs> Gael, thank you so much for joining our podcast today and sharing your inspiring insights. I think we can all do something to support our environment. And thank you all for listening. Check Gael's podcast, Green.io, to learn more about how the tech community can protect the environment. The one that is out there, not just in our development process, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gail. Ah, that was great. Thank you for inviting me, Gilad. This is the Velips Tech Tuesday Unboxed, your DevOps Technologies Review. I'm your host, Gilad Nagler. This podcast is a review of the Velips Tech Tuesday webinar. So if you're interested in our in-depth discussions about the up-to-date technologies in DevOps, check out our webinar on our website at the show notes. Until next time, bye-bye.